0: This is a podcast from the South
1: China Morning Post. Bernice, Bernice, where
0: are we? We're in KFC, the concept store in Hong Kong, and we're going to find out how KFC is made from the beginning to the end. And we're in the kitchen. As you can hear.
1: Fried chicken. Anyone who eats chicken loves fried chicken. I mean, what's not to love? It's the perfect combination of protein, fat and salt, everything our body is hardwired to crave. Some of us might avoid fried chicken for health reasons, but deep down, you know you want it. Mmm.
0: So where do we start? Of course, KFC is so good that almost 70 years after it was founded, we are still enjoying Colonel Sanders' original chicken recipe.
1: Now, almost every country has their own take on fried chicken. The Philippines has Jollibee, South Africa has Nando's, Japan has Karagi, and Guatemala has Boyo Gambello. But no country has made the competition more intense than... South South Korea!
2: Koreans did, elevated the food and elevated the Korean fried chicken the way it is right now, and people are actually recognising it around the world.
1: So, for the last episode of this season, we're going to take a look at the two equally iconic KFCs, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Korean Fried Chicken.
2: Okay, if you're going to give me that choice...
1: Yep, yep. How are they made?
2: key for the Korean Fried Chicken is light, crispy... Flaky batter, not, you know, those KFC heavy, fattening,
0: How did they influence each other?
2: The guy who studied in the U.S. saw the Kentucky Fried Chicken and then actually opened a restaurant in Shinsegae Shopping Mall.
1: And we're going to go even further than that. The Korean War, the first cookbook documenting the making of fried chicken, the Atlantic Slave Trade. We're following all the breadcrumbs along the path of this golden gastronomic achievement of mankind. And we mean all the way, even from the origins of the bird itself.
3: Um, They arrived in West Africa about 1000 AD, and uh, chickens were a huge hit when they arrived in that region.
1: This is Eat Drink Asia, where in each episode we deep dive into an Asian food that has gone global. I'm Alkira Reinfrank. And I'm Bernice Chan. Stay with us. First things first, the star ingredient. With chicken being so common and abundant around the globe, it makes it easy to forget that chickens are actually from somewhere, like llamas to South America and kangaroos to Australia, chickens, before they were domesticated, were actually native to Asia about 5,000 years ago.
3: As chickens migrate westward from Southeast Asia, where they're native, um, they arrive in West Africa about 1000 AD, uh, brought there by traders.
1: This is Adrian Miller, a James Beard award-winning food writer, and he calls himself the soul food scholar.
3: Yeah, so uh, fried chicken becomes a cherished dish in soul food cuisine, and I think it has roots back to West Africa.
1: Chickens were a huge hit when they arrived in West Africa. They quickly supplanted native species of birds in terms of rituals, cuisine, and even religious connotations. People believed that chickens had special powers infused by the gods, and the evidence of that is...
3: Chickens would announce dawn, no other animal tells you that dawn is coming. They were also worshipped because of the way they looked. They're interesting-looking animals with interested plumage. And so um, it was easy to couple this idea that they were the favorite pet of the gods as well as their parents, and um, they became used as status symbols. And so a lot of West African elites, as West Africa was starting to urbanize, used chickens, this new import from a foreign land, as a sign of status, and it just cemented their... Uh, social status themselves and their power.
0: But that apparently did not impede them from being appreciated on the dining table. So
3: there was a lot of chicken eating by the time the Atlantic slave trade uh, started up in the late 15th century, early 16th century. And I believe that people of African heritage brought that culinary tradition to the Americas.
1: So did West Africans invent what we consider the American style of fried chicken? No, unlike popular belief, they actually didn't. When we think of fried chicken now, we think of pieces of juicy, tender meat and crispy, flaky skin. But in West Africa, chicken is usually prepared in a twice-cooked, braised way, nothing like the American style we've grown up with.
3: So it's taking that bird, um, it may be uh, cut up into small parts, but really small parts, not necessarily bone in, and then... um, quickly seared in some oil and then braised in some kind of savoury soup, stew or sauce. And that's the typical West African treatment.
1: So the two ways of cooking chicken don't really measure up, but luckily we can trace the origins of the American style of fried chicken to one recipe.
3: The earliest written recipe that we have for fried chicken is from a British cookbook dated in 1747 by a woman named Hannah Glass and it was called The Art of Cookery Made Plain and Easy.
0: And it was plain and easy. Butchered pieces of chicken were floured and then fried in hot lard. Hannah Glass's cookbook remained a bestseller for a century after its first publication, and was very influential, not only in Britain, but also in British colonies in the Americas. We really didn't have a published American
3: cookbook until 1796 by a woman named Amelia Simmons. So before that, uh, housewives, cooks in the United States, or the colonies at least, were looking to European cookbooks for inspiration.
1: Despite its British roots, fried chicken quickly became associated with America's southern states. A recipe that was extremely similar to Hannah's actually appeared in the Virginia Housewife Cookbook printed in 1824.
3: It's almost an identical recipe. And that Virginia housewife recipe is what people classically think of southern fried chicken.
1: But this is when the history of southern fried chicken takes an ugly turn. As fried chicken became deeply associated with the South, it also opened the door for people to create racist stereotypes that connected African-Americans to fried chicken.
3: You see basically a popular culture campaign to uh, dehumanize African-Americans, to make them seem childlike or bestial.
1: While fried chicken was eaten by all parts of the southern community, from members of the high society to the enslaved, in the 19th century, the media started targeting African-Americans, depicting them as chicken thieves and ravenous fried chicken eaters.
3: And a lot of times uh, popular culture used these images of African-Americans eating certain foods just to reinforce the idea that African-Americans were really not intellectuals, but driven by base instincts. And so two of the most popular images that were used in terms of food were eating fried chicken and watermelon. Mm -hmm. Even though, crazily enough, plenty of whites were eating those same foods and loved them as much Uh, For whatever reason, the the, the idea and the negative uh, associations with those foods stuck with African-Americans.
4: Oh, Daddy, are not you want to give me a piece of watermelon? No,
0: I'm not going to give you none of this watermelon. You don't either. It's not good for your stomach.
1: And these associations still exist today.
3: And it was so effective and so painful that even to this day, um, African-Americans are really hurt by images that would conjure up uh, the racial sentiment of the late 19th century. Mm. In fact, I know some African-Americans who will not eat those foods in the presence of whites just because they don't want those stereotypes to be revived.
1: This is why some people may believe that African-Americans or their West African ancestors had a hand in inventing the fried chicken that we eat today. But the evidence just doesn't stack up.
3: I would love to prove that fried chicken is from West Africa because it's one of the most glorious things uh, ever created. But um, there's really not a lot of strong evidence for that.
1: Until the 20th century, fried chicken was a luxury dish that was eaten on special occasions. While the recipe to make fried chicken is not complicated, not everyone had the right tools in their kitchen or access to affordable poultry to make it at home. But soon enough, one person made accessing the greasy delight much easier.
0: Every day, all over town, women have a question on their minds.
1: What should I serve for dinner tonight?
0: And every day, all over town, Colonel Sanders and his boys are cooking up the answer. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Every piece of that tender young chicken is seasoned in Colonel Sanders' secret recipe. In 1952, Colonel Sanders opened the first Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant in North Corbin, Kentucky.
4: It's the only way that you're gonna get chicken that is finger licking good. And I'd be
3: mighty proud to have you try Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mighty proud.
0: The original recipe contains 11 herbs and spices that the company keeps top secret. The mixture is sent to its 23,000 stores all over the world. And we went to one of them.
4: Altogether, we sell 36.5 million pieces of chicken every year, all the stores in Hong Kong combined. So if you join it um, back-to-back together, you can have it circle around a um, standard-sized football field for 10,000 times.
0: Oh my god, that's a lot of chicken. Yes, that's a lot of chicken. Yeah. This is Ho Sing Lok. He's a chicken master at this store. And that's a title earned, not given. You have to go through comprehensive training at the KFC University to memorize and understand every single step behind the KFC kitchen door.
4: It will be cooked for 15 and a half minutes. With um, 14.5 PSI, uh, So with it's set at okay. 350 degrees Fahrenheit, which is also 163 degrees Celsius. Okay. Yep. Use so of the meat, meat is locked in the chicken meat. while we have a crispy surface.
0: Wow. wow. KFC, of course, has created various items in different regions to cater to local tastes. But when it comes to the original recipe, the process is universally the same. They first inspect the chicken for broken bones, quickly rinse them off, coat them in the flour with a secret recipe, then lay the chicken pieces in what looks like a metal bird cage with six layers. Then this cage is placed in a special pressure cooker to fry the chicken.
1: So, what this machine does is frying and pressure cooking at the same time. Yes. Sing Lok is 25
0: years old and is one of the most enthusiastic cooks I've ever met. When talking about fried chicken, Sing Lok always has a smile on his face. After all, he's been aspiring to make his favourite chicken since he was six years old.
4: <laughs> I, to be fair, because I, I came to this job because I really love chicken. Since, since since I was a child, like I was a kid, my family brought me to KFC to eat chicken. So on the first, very first bite of this Authentic fried chicken, it just fantasized me that it is so delicious and it's so juicy. But not everyone agrees. Key for the Korean fried chicken is
2: light, crispy, flaky batter. Not, you know, those KFC heavy, fattening. Argh, <laughs>
1: Chef Yong Soo Do here.
2: Hi, my name is Yong Soo Do. I'm the executive chef of Silencio in Hong Kong.
1: Chef Yong told us that the key to Korean fried chicken is the light batter. And you have to fry the chicken twice. The first time at a lower temperature so the meat inside will be juicy and tender without burning the batter. The second time at a higher temperature to make the skin crispy.
2: So that was about 300 Fahrenheit. Very important step. First step is cooking the chicken at a lower temperature until the chicken is cooked through, and then you rest it. And you'll see, like, the oil still dripping out. But after the oil's drained, you see the nice, golden, crispy colour out. And then we're going to fry in a high temperature, because if you fry in high temperature, it absorbs less oil. So there's a lot of techniques and science behind it. Um, Yong
1: has his own theory why Korean fried anyway, chicken yeah, is I better than the now. Kentucky forefather. Uh,
2: OK, so when you say, oh, Korean chicken restaurants, oh, Korean people love fried chicken... We have about 36,000 shops just in Korea, the fried chicken restaurant, which is equivalent number of McDonald's around the world. So you see how intense competition this is. Uh, so you have to be better. Along with
0: spam and Korean army stew, fried chicken was one of the classic Korean dishes introduced by the U.S. military during the Korean War in the 1950s.
2: In Korea, their soldiers still make war. Men fight and die for battered bunkers and shell-scarred trenches on the barren rocky slopes. Because the people are aware of KFC through the military base and the U.S. military, so people are like, oh, this is now we can have it. So, because people were looking for it, but no one could have cooked it in Korea because out of the U.S. base. You couldn't find it anywhere else in Korea.
0: Few people could afford protein after the war in South Korea, and nor was there mass-produced vegetable oil. To South Koreans for a long time, fried chicken was a luxury treat if you were lucky enough to make some Yankee friends in the military base.
2: After the Korean War and people were getting more, uh, we made self-production of the vegetable oil around 70s that's when all Korean franchises start to take off. Uh, and then we start adding our own flavours, a lot of garlics, a lot of ginger powder.
1: The old style of Korean fried chicken is called tondak, which is a whole chicken deep fried in oil that you can get at the market. But in 1977, Yu Suk-ho opened the first Korean fried chicken restaurant.
2: The guy who studied in the US saw the Kentucky fried chicken and then actually opened a restaurant in Shinsegae uh, Shopping Mall. And that one restaurant changed the whole fried chicken scene in Korea.
1: Fried chicken stores popped up all over Korea in the 80s and 90s, as the bar to open was so low. Now Korean fried chicken has made a name for itself worldwide. There's a university in Korea dedicated to passing on fried chicken knowledge. Koreans even made a new word for the combo of fried chicken and beard called chime. And guess what? Korean fried chicken has gone full circle and has made its way back to the US.
2: To be honest, I, f- I feel very happy and glad that you know we Koreans did elevate the food and elevate the Korean fried chicken the way it is right now. And people are actually recognizing it around the world.
0: There's something primal about fried chicken. Tearing into the hot chicken is like stepping into a hot shower or taking the first sip of beer. It's so simple yet blissful that you can never tire of it.
3: Fried chicken is a very complicated dish in American history, but I think for most people, uh, fried chicken is about good times. It's about celebration, it's about having something that you normally don't wouldn't get um, every day of the week. Fried chicken is one of those dishes that uh, can create community. Uh, we've engineered things so much that now you can eat it by yourself, but a lot of the strongest associations with fried chicken is say for Sunday dinner, where the family would get together, and it may be one of the few times a week that a family would come together um, for a meal. And um, if you had an expert cook who was kind of running the kitchen, you know, a, a glorious fried chicken dish could just um, really set things off. Another aspect of African American uh, tradition is that uh, the fried chicken is often called Sunday cluck or the gospel bird. So it's the idea that after church, you would have this very special bird, which back in West African society had religious connotation, and I think that's a cultural aftertaste that has lasted a few centuries. And uh, it was not uncommon for the pastor of the church to come over. And if the pastor of the church came over, that pastor got the first dibs on whatever piece of chicken he wanted. So those prime pieces of chicken, like the breast or the thigh or the drumstick, depending on what the pastor liked, were nicknamed preacher parts. (laughs) And then the pecking order, pun intended, would be after the pastor. then the parents would get to eat, and then the kids would get to eat, going from oldest to youngest. So if you were someone like my dad, who had 12 brothers and sisters, by the time the chicken got to you, you were just pretty much
2: eating the feet.
1: Interestingly, Yong shares the same memory of the big yellow bag greased with fried chicken inside.
2: We, we still have a memory when dad used to come home with yellow bag of the whole chicken, because we still remember that as a luxurious food. So in in everyone's mind, the chicken kind of carries a memory of the back then, where where all the family gets together, you know, sharing the fried chicken, they're cutting, you know, what dad's bring home after the work. So, Benice,
1: did you grow up eating fried chicken? Was it a way of bringing the family together since you're from North America? fried chicken was a no-no in
0: our household. (laughs) I actually didn't start eating KFC until a few years ago at work. And you've never looked back. That's right. Now I'm on to KFC. Which KFC are you talking about though? Korean fried chicken. (laughs) What about you? KFC or
1: KFC? Look, I'm never gonna say no to either fried chicken options. Uh, But look, Korean fried chicken is where it's at, especially when it's glazed in some sweet sauce that's slightly spicy. Mm. The best type. And there's K-pop in the background. Before you go, we just want to say a big thank you for everyone that voted for us to become Asia's Best Entertainment Podcast at the Asia Podcast Award. Also, our sister podcast called Inside China Tech picked up Asia's Best Technology Podcast, so tune in and check them out.
0: If you're hoping to impress your friends at the dining table, head to the SCMP Cooking website, where we share lots of delicious recipes of Asian dishes.
1: That's scmp.com slash cooking. And if you want to learn more
0: about Chinese cooking, be sure to check out Goldthread, where you can find a series of mini documentaries on Chinese food, trends, and culture. You can even buy your ingredients online at the Gold Thread shop. That's goldthread2.com. Eat, Drink, Asia is a monthly podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Shimalaya, basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy eating!